Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Money, money, money. All right, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bidder. 
It's the podcast where I speak to bands and artists about the problems that come with being bands and artists and the wins, but the struggles, the battles that a lot of them face and the ensuing solutions that make it work. Those are the stories that I'm interested in. And to be honest, they keep on coming. Today, I'm speaking with Tom from the Lottery Winners, who told me so many funny stories about growing up, having double lives, loads of different part-time jobs, and just believing in himself and how powerful belief can be. Tom is so brilliant. I think I made a new best mate on this chat, and I've been loving their record, Anxiety Replacement Therapy, which came out in April. And it came to number one, if you didn't know. Yeah, Anxiety Replacement Therapy is great record all over the place musically, but stays in that same place of feeling good, making you want to dance, making you want to go out and making you want to hang out with your friends, which you can do live with the lottery winners because they're going on tour all throughout the UK between now and the end of the year. Dates next February too. So if you want to go see the lottery winners live and experience that serious party, then go and find those dates and bag yourself some tickets. Thanks so much for listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs. If you like this episode, if you like the premise of the show, feel free to leave a review or a rating on Apple and Spotify. All of that stuff helps me and the show massively. So if you're able to do that, thank you. Big love. Before we get into this episode, I'm going to speak with Rebecca from the band Eka, who is a brand ambassador for Ampolo, which is a free app. You can download it now. If you want to practice along with an existing song, you say you want to play bass to Rage Against the Machine, but you want to play along with it, you can take the bass out and practice along just like that. I think Rage Against the Machine is my uh, bomb track was the first song I learned to play on bass. That first song you learn, it stays with you doesn't it i remember mine which was just like a prayer on saxophone but yeah i mean i used to play that for hours like trying to get it right alongside the cd player you sat there trying to rewind get it to the right point playing along kind of with the vocal it's great for kind of doing covers and just learning the songs basically and that's on ampolo it's free anyone can download it now on the app store you can record yourself so you can see how you're looking when you play it. Make sure your tongue's not sticking out when you're trying to play some riffs. Happy practicing. So here's Tom from the Lottery Winners on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Tom, 101 Part-Time Jobs. You're the best person to speak to this because anxiety replacement therapy was sort of... 15 years in the making, wasn't it? Well, yeah, I suppose this whole this whole band has. And to get to the point of releasing Anxiety Replacement Therapy, certainly 15 years in the making. The album actually was written over a year. But to, to get to the point where we could release something that would reach so many people, then yes, certainly 15 years in the making. And a number one. Oh, I wasn't going to mention that, but yeah, the trophy's <laughs> there. I mean, it's, it's littered throughout the record in like Jenny, where it's like the, the coffee cup circular daily grind, you know, and it's... Thank and you for, for listening to that lyric and referencing it, because I thought that was a dead clever lyric, me, stuck in the circle of the coffee cup ring, and no one's ever mentioned it. And I thought, I am literally Morrissey. And no one's even talking about it. So thank you for bringing it up. Well, it's the beauty in those lines. And I'm sure a lot of people, I'm sure like everyone can relate. You know, when you, when you do the same job every day that you, you kind of, you have, you, you break up that day by getting a coffee, 
most of the time. For a lot of people, that breaking up is is go to the coffee. My old job, I used to work on Times Radio doing all the adverts and I always used to mess them up, but that's another story. Can you give me an example? Will you do me an advert voiceover for my album art? Oh, I didn't I didn't record them. I didn't. My, you're listening to John Pienaar <laughs> and today we're going to go to Ukraine to find out the next thing that's going on. <laughs> You've got a good voice for that, mate. But I'd go like, the way I would sort of like stay safe was to go on ask the whole room like anyone want a coffee anyone want a tea because like, I'd get up on my legs and he'd just be doing something different you'd break the day up it's just yeah it's a really relatable lyric do you know what can I tell you a secret please I have never tried tea or coffee in my life you haven't tried it never a sip never tried not even I don't even know what it's like how do you think you've come this far? Well, I, I'm proud of that. It's my most and only interesting thing because if I can grow up to be like a, a full, a full blown adult who does his entire life without ever having a brew, I think that I might be the first Englishman and, um, I want that on my grave. Here lies Tommy Riley. That's an accolade. Never had a brew. It was Spike Milligan. I've got a picture of him here next to my next to my computer screen on his on his gravestone. It said, "I told you I was feeling unwell." <laughs> I love that. I, the, the only thing I want to do is leave a witty gravestone. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not a bad dream. I mean, it's 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 a totally accessible dream. <laughs> I think what the record does so, and what you as a band do so well, is that like it's almost like that Facebook status thing where someone's describing their life and you know there's this talk of like sertraline and antidepressants and the kind of way like i'm gonna hate myself tomorrow because i'm spending all my money in my mind that's like spending all my money at the pub mm -hmm. and i'm gonna hate myself tomorrow you know like i think the most sincere like the coolest resonating art is the stuff that kind of sums up you know culture in real time do you know what i'm saying yeah i think so and i'm really glad that you've well, firstly, I'm thrilled that you've actually listened to it because a lot of people don't. And I think that's really nice. And it's made me really warm to you and like you because your face was already nice and friendly. And then now I just want to be your mate. So thank you for listening to go. it. And I'm really glad that you think that I've managed to do that because my most important identity is being a songwriter. And I, I really like that's always what I've wanted to do and what I've always wanted to be. So if you mm. think that I'm hitting like relevant points and, and people are like, people come up to me these days and say how much the songs mean to them or have helped them in certain situations. And obviously that is like, so it's almost as good as that number one trophy. It's not quite as good, obviously, because um, <laughs> you don't get a trophy for that. Because it's real people. You know, when you go down the pub or you go down to the shop, when you meet someone and it's like a real unagended, mm. there's no agenda behind the kind of conversation you're having with that person. That's the most special thing. It is because obviously like throughout my life, I've turned to music when I, you know, in, in, dark times or in happy times and it's all it's like a soundtrack to your life in it and it's always been really important to me i don't believe music's disposable which i feel i fear that it, it kind of can become these days so like to um yeah to to do that to other people in the same way that maybe the smiths have done to me or you know any mm. of those records nirvana that i grew up listening to then that i think that's um it's really special to me and it makes me it makes it all worth it i mean i think we're probably like similar ages late 20s early 30s yeah. how have you do you think how how have you been able to 
like keep on playing music over the years you know since you're a teenager mm. and being like okay well I can do this like I can write a song you know when one song becomes 15 years like like reflecting on that time what are the kind of the, the main like milestones or the main key points that have kind of allowed you you know you've allowed yourself to keep playing music well it's been a rocky journey to be honest but I've always like believed in it I've never ever wanted a plan b obviously I've like had to do like other jobs and stuff over the time but this has always been my main focus and if any other job got in the way of this I'd just leave it like I remember mm. asking for ta some time off to go into a studio and my boss saying no and then just be like right well you're never going to see me again bye like like it's yeah. always been the only thing that I ever wanted to do and yeah, yeah. there's been so many times that we thought we'd like made it over the 15 years and then it hasn't happened like we signed a record deal to Warner Brothers um, Seymour Stein who signed like Madonna and Ramones and the yeah. Talking Heads I've got his card here he's, it's always there like Are you joking um, I, I've got it like oh on my, my god so I can see it every time I'm recording music um, wow. he really liked us and he offered us a record deal and when we got to make our first album and um you know, I don't want to be... That is incredible. No, I mean, look, anyone listening to this that, that doesn't know Seymour Stein, just give him a quick Google because he was such an advocate for sort of personality-led music yeah he? he he was he was a he was a big champion of people like taking risks and going for yeah it. he was and he really liked what we were doing and he liked our music and i had some incredible conversations with him i had phone calls with him where he'd be singing we'd be singing to each other down the phone and he'd be weeping tears because that's how much he he loves music and he you know really? just like an amazing guy and so we got we got our foot in the door with warner brothers which allowed us to make our first record but unfortunately like seymour was already 170 five years old and i feel like um maybe warner brothers just thought that he'd lost his touch a little bit and he ended up for whatever reason leaving the label and when that happened we had a choice to make because they basically told us that we probably end up getting shelved with our record because they were going into a more of a hip-hop kind of route mm. Um, so do we want to kind of follow Seymour into the dark and just like leave this major record deal, which I told everyone about every single person that I'd met, you know, bus drivers, just anybody who <laughs> hey, signed a record deal to Warner Brothers. And then so we had to kind of deal with the very re real reality that that had just completely been taken out from underneath us. And, and we were just back to square one. And that was really tough like mentally i think that was probably around 2018 or something like that and, wow, um, all right you um, hadn't released an album yet no no and um so i remember the conversations like well is this it you know like should we just give up like is is that is that gonna be it and um but no, it, 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 we never would do that. We've just been best friends for so long and with this like common goal that it was like, no, come on, like we believe in this. Let's mm. let's get up and go again. And um, Seymour introduced us to Modern Sky. Um, and Modern Sky is to do with the coral, isn't they? Yeah, the coral are, are on Modern Sky. Um, Alfie Skelly, who's one of the Skelly brothers, is, is part yeah. of it. Um, our cousin, I don't know. He's part, he's part of that Scouse indie, you know, gang. Miles Kane called him the, the Scouse Mafia. Yeah, he's part, he's part of that mafia, which I feel like is run by Dave Picciolini. Um, and I'm just like, 
I'm just like the weird guy that that pops in with a sandwich for them all sometimes. Like, hi guys. <laughs> How me. did you meet him? What was um, the first meeting there with that lot? Um, I don't know. Well, we Seymour signed us at Sound City in Liverpool. So Liverpool's always had kind of a big and he was with Dave at the time, so Dave was aware of us. Um and yeah, it I think that was an important time because we found someone that believed in it. And Modern Sky released that first album. We were all ready to go. We we're like, right, it's finally going to happen. This is it now. Come on, let's go. Released it March 2020. And then just like the whole world shut down for two years. Like it was literally mm-hmm. the same week. So we were like, yeah. oh my, like this isn't made for it. Like we're just unlucky. Like, it's not going to happen. Um, so then we just thought, that was like five seconds. And I was like, no way, no way, right? The only way we can exist now is online. Let's all get some like little cameras. And every single day, we're going to spend all day on Zoom or house. Remember house party? That was weird. <laughs> and we're just going to make stuff. And I'm not going to go to sleep every day until I've made one thing. So I was wow. writing songs, um, making covers, doing videos. We, were, we made a TV show that ran every week and I interviewed loads of people. It eventually ended up on Sky and we just used that time to to build. And actually I think without that, without that time or or without uh, capitalizing on that time, Mm. we wouldn't wouldn't have come out of it in in anywhere near a stronger position that we are now. Because we've like, the community around the band now is just like, so it's like a massive family and it sounds so cheesy and I'm, I hate being cheesy, but I really feel like there's a, a community and a family around our band that I think is dead beautiful. Like I'm, I'm in my own fan club and I read it every day. <laughs> I'm like people meet up that, and they've become friends and people yeah. have made lifelong friends just from liking our stupid songs. And it's just that special. You know, what? it makes me think, and maybe this is like a bit of a far out, like kind of like brain fried thing to say, but when you talk about community and being in your own fan club, football, Premier League football isn't the same right now. Right. Mm. But going back, even just like 50 years, like not that long ago, like our parents' generation, that's what that community feeling was. And like a lot of people, even with the Premier League being how it is, like half the country, football is their religion. Yeah. You know, and 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 I and I get that because we all need something to believe in, something to reflect ourselves onto us, something to hold ourselves accountable for, stuff to feel good about when we wake up in the morning. We all need that. Yeah, and it's also like you go to the games and you and you're surrounded by people with the same belief. And I think mm. that's like a very human thing that we need those communities and we need like that mentality of togetherness. Growing up in Manchester, what was it like? And I love that story with Sean Ryder, how you were kind of, your kind of ends were kind of battlers. Yeah, we were. Yeah. So where, where I grew up in Astley, where he grew up in Little Alton, obviously he's significantly older than me, but <laughs> there was always battles. Like I always ended up in scraps. I was a bit of a naughty kid. Like I've got expelled from school like twice and stuff. I've, I've got ADHD and it wasn't very like, I don't think it was very understood back when I was at mm. school. And, um, I think you take, you take that with you into, into adulthood quite a lot. Like I always felt a bit like rejected and pushed away and like a bad egg. And, um, so that's literally why I do this job because I need the affirmation. Like I really, I literally need to be on stage getting clapped at. Like I need That's that. really interesting. You said, I mean, being expelled twice from school, like what's the message that you receive from that? The message you receive is that 
like you don't fit in. And then yeah. it's like self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, it was difficult, man. Like I never wore it as a badge of honor. I always felt like really shitty about it. And I always felt like, yeah, like a, just like a bad person. I never wanted to be a bad person. Like I want people to like me. Like that's, mm. uh, that's a part of life, isn't it? You want people to like you. So yeah, but yeah, us and the little Ottenans, we used to have scraps. I ended up, I fell in with like the wrong crowd and, and I, I yeah. remember, I remember mate getting stabbed on Tilsley Park once. That oh, was intense. Awful. That's terrifying. Uh, it was nothing to do with Sean. <laughs> I've always been very scared about getting beaten up. Like I used to sort of, when the watch when watching the clock go down and I didn't live in a particularly rough area, but I did have a mohawk <laughs> right. and I'd just be quite scared about going home all the time. I have used you to ever really been beaten up. Not properly. I have bad. It's bad. I mean, what is it? Cause it's like, I've been smacked and that was awful. Like awful. I can't mm. even imagine that kind of numbness that you go into and everything goes cold. Yeah. Oh, what a horrible feeling. Yeah, it's awful. I got beaten up by like eight guys at the same time once. It was horrible. What for? Man. Nothing. It was for nothing. Just for being in the wrong place at the wrong time, I think. It was just yeah. horrible. But I kept getting back up because I was stupid and pig-headed and I was just like, you're not going to beat me. And um, I've still got this weird mark on my eye from that so I can think about it all the time. But like, it's still when I go to that place where it happened, like I get chills, man, like such bad PTSD. <sighs> that's scary. I'm sorry, man. That's, that's fucking, that's rough. It's all right. It just made me, made me hard. What were people like when they said, like, I, I'm making music like that's what I care for most. What was your, what were your surroundings like in response to that attitude of yours? I kind of ended up living this like double life when I was a teenager and, and I was growing up because I had this, like all these nutters that I used to hang around with and you know, hang around on fields and smoke weed or whatever and like end up in fights. And then I had this secret life as well. And I'd used to literally dress in two ways for this. <laughs> it's, it's like a psychologist's like <laughs> dream. And so I'd be out in my like one tens and like tracksuit. And then I'd go home and I put on a Radiohead t-shirt and I'd go and meet my other mates and we'd make music. And like, it, it's really weird and uh, like terrible like identity crisis. But like, I've, I've, I've never ignored that part of myself, even when I was so struggling to fit in with a group of people that I felt like I needed to be in because I've been like removed from school. And, and that's just the kind the guy I was like I never ignored this other part of me and um I had like secret relationships with all the music nerds and they weren't allowed to tell anyone that I was like writing tunes with them but <laughs> that's how I met Rob like our guitar player Rob who's like my oldest and, and best friend um he was what the new school that I went to because he was such a nerd they the teachers made him show me around and like that's how I met him <laughs> And brilliant. I had to brilliant. go through like, connection. the rest of that school year with like the secret relationship where I wouldn't let anyone know that I was friends with him, but we would go into like the music room. And I remember like, I remember playing the drugs don't work with him, but like, that was the first thing we did. Um, me on piano, him on guitar. And he had his, this great voice. And I was just like, wow. And then, yeah. And then, the, you know, all this time later, here we are. 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Was there a moment where you could look back on and like someone gave you a bit of advice or like you had a like a chat with someone and you and you felt like backed in your ideas because we all need like affirmations. Was there a moment around that time that you were like, this is real, this is good? Yeah, kind of. I, I remember like I went to college and I was st- and doing music. And I was still, I still had ADHD and I still couldn't fucking do it. Like, I still fucked it up royally. Like I didn't do any of the work, but I, I remember doing some performances there early on and noti- noticing that when I was performing, the crowd were a lot more engaged and I was like more, uh, there was something about me on stage that made people more interested than when all the other people were performing. And, and for me, that was kind of like, oh, okay, well, I might have something here. And mm-hmm. and at that point, I ended up getting in, into a band with Rob, like we reconnected, an awful band. But it was when we were on stage, it was kind of electric. Like we got booked because it was just mental. I mean, it's worth saying here that nothing, nothing that's great, like it could be the best fucking thing in the world. Like it didn't start off. It started off crap. Yeah. You know, like everything does like the best skateboarder in the world, like Nigel Houston or whoever you want to be. They started off, you know, on like a rubbish skateboard in their back garden and their parents, you know, on like mm. gravelly rubbish ground. I mean, it, that's, I think that's something that I really want to do with this podcast is like share that message that if you believe in something, if you work for it, you know, you, you just get good from, from paying attention to it and, and nurturing it and yeah. having fun with it, having fun. Having said that though, I did just find, I found this record, the first ever recording that I ever did at school. It must've been in like first year. So I'd have been like 11 or 12. And um, it's this song that I'd written called My Time. And it's just like some Nirvana ripoff. But you know what? It isn't shit. Like I can, I can hear it. It's got a chorus. It's got like a riff. Like the lyrics aren't shit. And I'm like, okay, I always, you know, I was always a genius. That's good to write all right lyrics when you're a young teenager. That's, well, I was very troubled. I think so. Like, <laughs> I think good lyrics always come from a place of, of, of trouble. You know, I think when you get into your twenties, when you're like, okay, what's going on? What's, what am I doing in the, it, I think that's why a lot of us get into like drinking and going down the pub. I realized I used to spend a lot of, down, lot of time down the pub because mm. I thought I was doing something. Yeah. I thought I was working towards something. Yeah. All I was working towards was being a, a pretty good drinker. And, <laughs> and that, and that just goes once you stop going to the pub after three months. Anyway. But I guess my question is like, did you smarten up about like, cause to be a good like successful artists today, the creative side. Yes. But also the admin side, the being smart side. Did it, did that being smart, did that come naturally to you? Um, no. And I think that the, the time I was talking about in lockdown, that's when it taught me how much work I had to do 
to make this like real. So like since then, um, every day I'm here, you know, like every single day and I'll think yeah. about it 24 hours a day. I'll just, I'll dream about it. And you're like, a Damon Albarn. Yeah, I am. I'm exactly the same as Damon Albarn. Like a lot of people are saying that I'm just as genius as him. <laughs> You said, had it here first. Finally, <laughs> finally, you can say it out loud. A lot of people are saying my Sean Ryder tune's better than his. <laughs> yeah, I thoroughly believe that if you really want something, which I always have, then you got to work so much harder than everyone else because someone else is. Like yeah. you've just got to, you've got to throw everything that you've got into it, and and I do, and the other three members of the band do, and our manager Tristan, who's never managed anyone before. He was just a producer. Well, not just a producer. He's an amazing <laughs> producer. Um, but he was working on our, our music. And I remember the time really well. And um, I think it was probably... Uh, well, we were in this studio called Giant Wafer. I'm trying to remember what we were recording, but I suppose it's irrelevant. But we were... Um, we had a manager at the time who I loved. He was great. He was like one of the, you know, like industry guys. Like he really was. But like Tristan kept saying, yeah, he's great and we love him, but he's doing this wrong. You're doing it wrong. And I was a bit like, what are you talking about? Like, and he, and we sat there and we stayed up all night one night and we, we found a whiteboard and we drew out this entire plan of how we would eventually get a number one record. And it started from that day and we followed every step and then I've got the trophy there. And it was just like, wow. And we just did it in a way that nobody had done it before because actually there are no rules. Yeah. You just do it, just do it your own way. Play to your strengths, work hard and it'll happen for you. It was incredible, yeah. man. And I love Tristan. And since he came and took the wheel, and like I said, the first time he's ever managed anyone and he, he takes them straight to a number one record from basically nothing, I think it is like... It's a real testament to him and how smart he is, you know. That's an incredible story. I mean, the things that were on the whiteboard, were they, like, when you broke them down to, like, their own kind of individual specific points, were they, like, genius ideas, each and every one of them? Or was it, like, no, that makes sense and it suits you for who you are? Yeah, I think they were genius ideas, but it was just like, why is nobody doing this? I can't believe no one's doing this. It's just there for the taking. Like, let's do this and it is going to work. And it, and it made my mental health so much better to reshift my focus from looking at like Spotify numbers and playlists and mm. radio. Because actually I thought, you know what? None of that matters, actually. It literally doesn't matter. What you've got to do is connect with people. And mm. if you can do that and you connect with the right people, and it, the people that you know will connect with you, if you put yourself in front of them, then you're onto a winner. And we managed to do that. And I can't tell you the plan because then every band will do it. <laughs> well, we, we trade in a currency of personality. You know, we our currency is like the more, the more fun or the more creative or, well, for me, it's fun. For the next yeah. person, it might be dressing up all in black with some like kind of cadaver on your head or something. But that's <laughs> like... Like the more creative we can be, the better. And that is not in the same ballpark as Spotify or social numbers. That's its own thing. Yeah, man. It's, I think it's all, 
I don't want to say it's all nonsense because obviously it really helps some people, but it's not the be all and end all. It's not the only route. And like, so if, you know, if anybody's listening to this right now and, and they're like yeah. putting out music and they think, ah, but I'm not getting on the Spotify playlists and it's literally not the only way. There's so many other ways to, to like, I honestly, I say that we smashed in the back door of the music industry party and at all the buffet. Like that's yes. what we did. Like no one, no one saw us coming, man. We just did it. We yeah. snuck up round, round the back, and then yeah. now, now they're all there. They're all like they've noticed us, and I feel like a bit in the inner circle these days. Like doing Sunday brunch on telly and stuff like that. It's weird, man. Like, and you know, mm. I, I don't belong there, but in in a way, I feel like I've earned it to be there, and like it's cool. I think authenticity is absolutely the most important thing. Like be yourself, do what feels right for you. Yeah. If you're telling your own story, you'll never be boring is like a thing yeah. that I, um, I look to. And my biggest fear is being boring. Mm -hmm. So I think if mm -hmm. I started trying to be someone that I'm not and started what, dressing in all black and trying to be super cool and playing my guitar up high and not saying anything, it just wouldn't be like authentic. I'm stupid on stage, man. Like I, I just completely express myself. I don't know. I don't know if you've ever seen us live, but it's like, I've it's, seen videos. Have you? It's ridiculous, yeah. man. Like I just get this. It looks a lot of fun. I get this platform to be ADHD to a load of people. And yeah. you know, it seems to be working. So I'm not going to, I get, I get shouted at every time I get off stage by like our bass player Kate she was like oh I can't believe you said that I like, stopped saying <laughs> shit like that I'm like, I can't <laughs> fucking help it it just comes out <laughs> <laughs> hey let's talk about jobs I mean I feel like you know it's the name of this show it's the name of the game but you know these conversations are kind of like they're different you know they're, I'm very unique to the individual that I'm speaking to I think jobs is important one here because I mean when did you become a full-time musician? When did you stop working your last part-time or full-time job? Well, I, I did, I did like the wedding band thing for a bit and that was my full-time job, but it was a musician. So I was happy with that and I was still with my mates. Wow. And that's a tough gig, right? I mean, you've got a lot of songs to learn and get very fucking good at. Yeah, but luckily I'm very fucking good. So I, I was playing bass and um, I'm good at that. I really am good at that. So, and I find it really easy to, I never learned a single song. I never did one practice, but I just find, I, I think I understand songs and I know where they're going to go and, and stuff like that. So like, mm, and I was yeah. playing with like great musicians. I've been so lucky in my entire life that I've played with great musicians. I think that where I'm from, there's like this pool of extraordinarily creative people. And it's because the schools were a bit shit and because like people never really, um, focused on academic exploits. They only focused on, on the ways that they could express themselves at home. Like people bought guitars instead of being an accountant. And like, so now my mates are just incredible. Like my mate, Johnny is an incredible guitar player. He's incredible. He was a window cleaner for years. And then he picks up the guitar and he can literally make me cry just by playing. And I'm just like, wow. And now he's, a, you know, he's a full-time musician and rightly so. And quality. Yeah, it's cool. I've done loads of jobs though. Like, 
I've worked on a building site. Didn't fit in yeah. there, but I did it. <laughs> um, I worked my first job out of college and I've never been afraid to do things a bit different. I worked at Claire's Accessories because yes. I needed a job dead bad. And I, I knew that I'd be the only guy to apply and I'd get the job Brilliant. on default. So I went that is very like funny. You, I you know what has never fully, I don't know if they still do it. Maybe they still do it. Always boggled my mind that you get your ear pierced like in the window I used to, I used accessories. to be the guy that would pierce ears man like the first one that no I did, way yeah, that was me <laughs> the first one that I ever did and this was horrible man because people bring their babies three months old that is the youngest you can do so my first ever piercing was a three month old baby and I didn't know what the fuck I was doing and I've been at the job like a week and I'd, all I'd watched is a VHS video of how to do it. Like there was nothing else, just in the stock room. And I'm not, I can't watch that. I've got ADHD. I was playing with the fascinators. So like the first, <laughs> I had to pierce this baby's ear. I did it wrong. You could see the, the back of the earring from the front, this baby screaming. And I'm just oh like, this God. is the worst day of my life. I just want to be a rock star. <laughs> That is fucking fantastic. You're like a, you're, you're a real gem, Tom. Thanks, I, man. I, I, I've always wanted to meet someone who did the ear piercings at Claire's Accessories. <laughs> well, here I am, baby. That's unreal. I mean, were you quite good at, maybe I'm projecting here. I, the couple of jobs, I've worked tons of jobs and I've never been able to really work a job that I wasn't thinking about something else. Mm. And would you be depressed at work? Would you be yeah. really bummed out that you were there? Hated it, man. Like I, the, I always liked the people that I was working with. They were all always cool and always supportive, actually. But I was in my own little world, man. I just have you ever watched Severance? No, or oh, maybe I don't know. That sounds like a yeah. It's about this thing, and people can get this chip put in their head where they go into work, and then it's like someone else, and they can't even remember it when they walk out. And it's just like that's what it was yeah. like, man. I went in there, yeah. and and I wasn't even there. My mum's even got still. Claire's accessories till roll that I would just write lyrics on when I was just behind the till, just like while everyone was shoplifting and that. And she's like, she's Brilliant. got, she's still got like some of my earliest Brilliant. songs written on the till roll. That's very supportive of her. Like that's, that's a good energy. Yeah. She's like, my mum's like my biggest fan. She wasn't for a long time. She was always like, get a job, get a job, get a job. Uh, but then, you know, she's just like everyone else. As soon as it started doing well, she's like, oh, I've got all this stuff. <laughs> no, when my, I was, my mom's the biggest fan. She will be listening to this as well. So shout out, Julie. Well, shout out Jane as well. My mum, because she's been a massive supporter of mine. And I got an internship at NME when I was like 16, 17. And I rang up because there was a festival in Belgium that I wanted to go to. And I was like, please, can I review it? And my mum was like, give them a call. Don't email them, call them. And they said yes on the phone. And so, so I skipped school to go to this festival and review it. I came back and I got pulled into the head teacher's office. Uh, I was going to get suspended. They brought my mum in for the meeting as well. We sat around this table and I got told off for bunking school and my mum waited till they finished. And that she said, do you know what you're talking about? He was just writing for NME. That's what he's at school to do. Yeah. Like, yeah, we'll take the suspension, but this is absolutely ridiculous. And I had to write a, a letter saying sorry, because I was rude to one of those teachers. <laughs> My mum's got this very snarky apology, quote unquote, letter. She's got it framed on her wall at home. 
Lovely. I love Which I'm that. Very happy and about. I think that's just like you've just got to do mad shit, man. Put yourself out there and just do mad shit. I've never been scared of that. I've never ever yeah. been scared of just like this is a thing that I want. This is the person that can make it happen. Just go and fucking talk to him and like go and do it. Like yeah, I'm I'm dead Big proud time. of you for doing that, mate. You know what? It's like, and, and what a fuel, like the fuel to do whatever you want is that no one really fucking cares. You know what I mean? Like no one yeah. really cares what you do. And I don't mean that as like a negative thing. I mean it in like a really positive thing. Not like, you know, we all think, oh, what, would I, what if I said that or if I did that, what would my friends think? Your friends are your, if, you, if they're really your friends, they're your friend no matter, you know, what you kind of get up to or what you choose to do. You know what I mean? Fucking yeah. just, no one cares. Go and do it. Yeah. hundred percent, man. You just got to do it like just don't be scared of things i was scared yeah. of things for a long time like living a double life and like you know scared of what people would think just don't be scared of being yourself don't be scared of the things that you want you only got this mm -hmm. you know i feel like i'm i'm preaching a bit well cliche is a cliche for a reason and because it's true a lot of cliches so yeah like literally you live once you, you lose you love yeah. you live once only <laughs> Although I do like to think that in a previous life and maybe in my next life, I'll be a crab. You do have a crab like features. Crab energy, huh? <laughs> yeah, crab, big crab energy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tom, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for, you know, cheers for being up for doing it. This is a good, I knew this was going to be a good chat. No, I appreciate you, man. Thank you for asking. And um, yeah, I've listened to a few of them actually. And I like nice it. One. I like what you do. And I'm going to continue to listen to Thank it. Thank you. I like ending these with like these work fail stories and we kind of touched on a few there i mean piercing a a three-month-year-old baby and kind of getting it wonky it's like oh, is, is, a, is a brilliant memory i mean i'm sure they're fine right do any other work gaffes come to mind i'm kind of i know i'm putting you yeah no um yeah loads man because i've done loads of work weird jobs i used to i used to sign on when I was like, you know, maybe 18 and like being the doll queue and, and I was doing gigs in the local pubs and I, and they knew that and um, hated me. All the women there absolutely hated me for At the job centre. At the job centre, yeah, yeah. Like literally, I used to argue with them all the time and it was awful and I was always getting my, uh, my benefits stopped and everything like that when I was young. And then I, weirdly, I got this job writing CVs for people. And then I got this job where I had to go into the job center and present how to get a job like on a PowerPoint. And I remember walking in for the first time in like a shitty George Asda suit and being like, and, and they're all looking at me like, what is he doing here? And I was like, I'm here to give a presentation <laughs> how to get a job. And they were like, fuck no. Um, yeah, I've Just a room full of side eyes being like, it's this guy. Yeah. What the fuck? That's brilliant. Hey, Tom, thank you so much. This is Ace. Thanks, mate. So there he was, Tom from the Lottery Winners here on 101 Part-Time Jobs. Cheers to you for listening. And I'll be back tomorrow with an episode with James Skelly from The Coral. And you don't want to miss that one. You cannot miss it by subscribing wherever you're listening to this. And I'll see you soon.
Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.